Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I could spend all day singing of the goodness of God. I don't know about you, but he's too great. You know, we spend a lot of time sometimes talking about the problem or the challenge or this or that or just give God glory. Amen. Just give him praise. Just lift him up. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 15. John 15. And we have um, been taking the last few weeks to uh, remove the veil, if you will. We've been talking about seeing what is right in front of us, not missing what God is doing, how he's moving, what he's saying. And this is what I know is God is always moving. God is ever present. God is speaking. Um, we've said this before. If he ever becomes silent, it's just because he's waiting on you to, to do the last thing he said. <laughs> but he's never silent out of punishment. He's never silent out of withholding. He's never silent. We're, we're discovering a God that has gone through great lengths to reveal himself to you, to reveal his will to you, to reveal his plan to you. You got to know that you serve a God that wants you to be in the know. You have to know that God wants you uh, informed uh, on who you are, what you can do, what his plan is, where he needs you to be. Uh, We're getting rid of this God that is constantly withholding and hiding things. We're getting rid of this God that is uh, intentionally, uh, you know, dangling the carrot out in front of you that just ever more becomes further and further, further and further away. We're diving into discovering a God that has bent over backwards to reveal heaven to you. He says that all of creation reveals who I am. So therefore, if it's not God that is the problem, it must be on the other end, right? If it's not God, and maybe he doesn't know, or maybe he doesn't know how to tell me, or maybe he won't show me, if it's not that, then it must be (coughs) that I've got to become more aware. And so we're talking about living aware. I believe that we ought to not just have to become aware, that we can live with an awareness of heaven. Jesus showed us a life that was constantly, consistently. Jesus never had to go find something out. Jesus lived with that knowing. Jesus lived with an internal, my my mind is in line with his mind. My thoughts are in line with his thoughts. My ways are in line with his ways. My words are in line with his words. This is the synchronization of heaven. This is you teaming up with heaven itself to bring heaven to the earth, not just to see blessing in your life and not just to know the questions to life's hard answers, but to literally become a participator with heaven and a contributor in the earth. Amen. That's what we're diving into. And so, of course, John 15, we've been here for the last couple weeks. uh, Reading out of the, the New King James, he says, I am the true vine, verse one. Jesus says, I am the true Vine. We're talking about connection. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So ultimately, he's trying to get to a point. He's trying to get to help us understand that there should be something produced from us. We should be giving something away. There should be fruit from our lives. More fruit than just saying, I prayed a prayer and I know where I'm going to go when I die. That's a fruit, but that's not all the fruit. And you actually find that the, that the more of the fruit that Jesus is looking for, more of the fruit that God is looking for from us has to do with what we do in the earth before we ever get to heaven. Has to do with how we live here, how we produce here, how we bear fruit here. And so he says that uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may 
bear more fruit. So not only are we interested in bearing fruit, we're interested in producing and bearing as much fruit as we can. What does that tell me? There's no end game to this. We're constantly being stretched and we're constantly being molded and we're constantly being, oh, you were, you were birthed with a design to bear fruit from now until you depart this earth. That bearing fruit ought to be commonplace for the believer. Producing something ought to be commonplace for the believer. This is a, con- a contributor, not a consumer. This is one giving away, not just taking. Amen. And so he says uh, that not only should we be bearing fruit, but we should be bearing more fruit. Everyone say more fruit. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you, which means I got you to a point. You're already clean because of the word I spoke to you. Then he gives instruction in verse four, abide in me and I in you. So he's saying what? I got you to this point. Now it's your job to stay at this point. Abide means to remain. It means to dwell. It means to make your home, right? Abiding is the opposite of visiting. Not visit me on Sunday mornings between 10.30 and 12 p.m. if Pastor Mark gets out on top. No, this isn't visitations. God's wanting more than just weekend visitations with his children. Amen. He's wanting more than just uh, frequency. He, he's, he's wanting more than the phone call when you're in trouble and you need dad to bail you out. Anybody ever done that to your parents? My hand is up. My hand is up. I've got some stories. I've got some stories. I remember I was probably 19 years old, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Bible school, off to, by myself. And I had a good friend of mine. Uh, if my dad listens to this, he'll remember this very well. This is a good dad. You know, you got, got good earthly dads, still doesn't compare to your heavenly dad. But I had, I've got a great earthly dad and had a friend of mine in Bible school that had a, a, a serious condition going on with his abdomen, his bowels, something had, had taken place there. And it was like, I don't know, between nine, 10 o'clock at night, he was living in the apartment just down from me. And I get a phone call, man, I'm hurting bad. I got to get to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, took him to the hospital, took him to the emergency room, stayed there all night, right? Cause they don't get you in a room right away. It probably wasn't, but maybe six o'clock the next morning, he finally gets a room. I just stayed with them all night hurting and they're doing running different tests and doing different things. Finally, they get a, you know, and I'm in Bible school. I got class the next morning at, you know, whatever. And so uh, he gets a room, got him comfortable, got him ready. And so I'm, it's, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning by this point, And I'm racing back to the apartment, trying to get a little bit of sleep so I can make it to class. And there's the red and blue. I don't even remember how fast that was going. I, it, it was, the discrepancy was great. It was in the um, the reckless driving category. Let's just put it that way. So what is that, 25 miles an hour? Does anybody know what that is? Reckless driving, 25 over to the speed limit. It was in that area. Was probably I was probably in the 80s going that tr- amount of speed in a 45. So I was well into the reckless driving. And um, it was uh, not my first ticket either. (sighs) Wasn't my second or third (laughs) ticket. Uh, We're not going to talk about my driving history. I'm just giving you one. Just giving you one. And, but this was a big one. So this was like, you know, they could have taken to jail right on the spot deal, you know, the whole deal. And I told them what was going on. I'm trying to get to the part I've been at the hospital all night, you know, gave them the whole deal, which was a true story. And so let me off. But uh, this was one, they don't even find you. You just, you have a court date. And to me, that was 19 years old. That's a big deal. Like, I don't, 
Are you going to haul me off from there? Do I need to get an attorney? I mean, what am I supposed to do? Here we go. You can help me out right here. I got, I got my law enforcement right here on the front row. I forgot about that. You can help me out. So I'm like, you know, calling my dad and uh, say, hey, this is what happened. Obviously, you know, we have the conversation. What do you think you're doing? Da, 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 da. And, and so the court date set, and I remember, this is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My, my parents were in Fort Worth, Texas, five-hour drive. And so the morning of the court date, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock court time, got to be in court. My dad left Texas that morning to meet me in Tulsa, to be there with me for the court appearance and uh, be there. And, and, you know, he didn't even stay the night. And then after the thing, we went, I think they went to IHOP and he turned around and went back to Texas. That's a good dad. But you know what? I was able to do that because I didn't just have a connection with my dad to just call him up to bail me out of problems. We talk all the time. You know, parents, you know you don't want to hear from your kids just when they need something. And the greater the connection when they do need something, the greater the investment and and, and the greater the intention you have to do something about it. Amen? That's what I'm trying to get at, is that that connection is not just about, oh, God, I need. Oh, God, I'm in this. Or God, bail me out of this. Or I need more of this. But having that living daily abiding, remaining with the Father, then when those situations come up, not only am I having a call on heaven, but I know what heaven would do and how heaven would respond. I heard someone say one time that, you know, we all have one of two relationships with the Father. We get in trouble and it's, oh, I hope dad doesn't find out. Or we get in trouble and we say, I need to get, I need to find dad. And regardless of what your earthly situation is, you've got a heavenly father that you can reach out to no matter what the situation is, no matter how bad you've blown it, missed it, run away, whatever. You you got to turn around and come home, but you got a father waiting with open arms saying, get back in here and no, you're not just going to be a slave and no, you're not going to work as a servant. Put the ring on his hand, come on. Put the sandals on his feet, put the robe on his back, kill the fatted calf. Today we celebrate because my son was gone, but he is now returned. But this is an abiding in this. This is a staying and a dwelling and a living in an understanding of what this connection looks like. You're already clean because of the word. So abide in me and I in you is the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Meaning, your production is determined by your connection. Our production is determined by our connection. What I'm producing, let me I'll just put it to you this way. What you produce reveals what you're connected to. The fruit bears whatever it bears on the tree because of whatever it's rooted to in the soil. And you're never going to get a discrepancy. You're never going to get apples from an orange seed. And I don't have to dig up the seed or get in the ground to find out what it is. I can just look at the fruit on the outside. I can look at the external. I can see what is this tree giving away. And it will all, and Jesus even says in Matthew 7 that a bad tree will never produce good fruit and a good tree will always produce good fruit. It will never produce bad fruit. The production is determined by the connection. I am the vine, verse 5. So what's he saying? Get connected with me. Hook up with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I like those kind of statements. It's not without me, you can do a little bit. Without me, you can go halfway. Without me, you can can do enough to get by. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Not of kingdom value. Now, the world might 
think it's successful. But we might end up being busy in the wrong assignment. We, we might end up filling time and, and filling space and filling a void that on the outside to man looks like it's productive, looks successful. But to God, he's like, but I didn't call you to that. I didn't call you to that. And God's plan is always going to be greater than our plan. It might not equal, but it'll always be greater. And this dwelling and this abiding helps me become helps me become connected, so I can become productive. If anyone does not abide in me, verse six, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and he gets a little more specific now, and my words. How does Jesus abide in you? By getting his word in you. When you get, when you have his word, you have his will. I said, when you have his word, you have his will. You cannot tell me that God's will is any different than what his word says. You cannot convince me. People have tried for years to convince people, to convince themselves that God's will is different than what his word says. And his word and his will will never be out of alignment. His word and his will will never disagree. His word and his will, everything God says, he means. You ever said that to somebody? Uh, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. Come on. No, God doesn't ever have to go back on his word. God doesn't ever have to clarify it. God doesn't, I said it, that's how it is. Well, Pastor Mark, it's hard to believe sometimes. I understand. But you don't want to lower God's word and his will down to what you can comprehend. I need to increase my capacity to comprehend heaven. I need to increase my capacity to see it the way God sees it. Never in the world will you find God. Jesus made his word and his will simple enough for us to understand without blemishing or breaking down the word where he does, where it means something he doesn't mean. Does that make sense? He'll simplify it. That's what, that's what parables are. But parables were to show you God's way of doing it. Not God saying, oh man, they're, they're all broken and messed up. Oh, they're, they're in condemnation. I, I, I guess I can't hold them to that standard anymore. No, he's going to keep the standard. He'll communicate it in a way. God always starts with the easy things to work you to the things that might be hard to understand. We're going to see that in just a minute. But he's not communicating that way and lowering the standard. He's keeping the standard while communicating on a level that you and I can receive it. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. The kingdom of heaven is like a lost coin. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure found in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a seed and soil. The kingdom of heaven is constantly trying to bring a comparison, but it's to help get you there, not him come down here. So he says, my words, my words, my words. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And this is where we ended off last week. Was understanding that when Jesus says this statement, you will ask what you desire, you will ask what you desire, you will ask. He's not giving you uh, this free access that he's some spiritual heavenly genie that will give you anything you ask for. Because the you will ask what you desire doesn't work without the abide in me and my words in you. You've got to keep the two together. We've got to keep the two together. What's he saying? Abide in me and I in you. Enter this connection. Remain connected with me. And what you will see happen is your desires will become his desires. 
And his desires will become your desires. And now when you ask, essentially, you're not just asking what you desire. You're asking what I desire for you to desire. And now we're so synced up, not just in, in, in thought and intent. We're synced up in even what we want to see accomplished. And now you want what heaven wants. And now you want what God wants. And now you want what the kingdom wants. And this changes our prayer life. Because now our prayer life isn't me just asking for what I need or what I want in the moment. It's syncing up and saying, heaven, what do you want to do about this situation? Father, what do you, how, how would you respond to this matter? There's a lot of matters that we need to be listening to heaven about. Amen. There's a lot of things happening today. You and I need to be listening to heaven. It'd be easy to spout off at the mouth. It'd be easy to just say the first thing that comes to mind. It'd be easy to act out of rage or frustration or, or, or whatever. In times like this, irritation. No, we need to have the pause within us that says, all right, heaven, what are we doing here? All right, Father. How are we responding to this? Because now I'm responding not just on behalf of myself, not just on the behalf of Anchor Faith Church, not just on the behalf of Christianity. I'm responding on the behalf of the kingdom of God. I become an ambassador for Christ. I become a representative of a homeland. You know, ambassadors that we have, uh, United States ambassadors that we have in other countries, they don't get to just spout off at the mouth. They don't get to just respond however they like. They don't get to just, uh, you know, respond and then think about it later or ask for forgiveness later. They can only respond as the United States would respond. They can only respond as the president would respond. They can only respond in line with the home country. And that's what you and I are doing. How does that work? Through connection. Through connection. And I want to go a step further. This is not uh, uh, bidding to heaven to get God to do something for you. Let's just go ahead and make that clear. I'm asking, Father, what role would you have me play? I'm not an absentee. I'm not a non-participant. I'm not sitting on the outside saying, all right, God, you do something about it. If you go to prayer and you don't leave with instructions or direction, you haven't been in prayer. You've been in a venting session. You've treated God as your counselor. But we should have some homework. We should have some instructions. We should have some direction. All right, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to say. This is who I'm going to talk to. This is what we're going to, this is where we're going to go. This is what's going to happen. It's not, all right, God, you need to do something about it. When God wants to do something about something, He picks you and I to do something about something. Come on. Look throughout the word. He's still using. Well, I'm not not able. That's 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 a great quality to have. Well, I'm not confident. Great quality to have. I can point you to people in the Bible that didn't measure up, that didn't meet the the qualifications, that were horrible candidates, that were insecure, that were liars, cheaters, murderers. Come on. You read the Bible and you still write yourself off as like, no, I can't do it. Then you're missing something. Because God used some messed up people to do some amazing things for the kingdom of God. And he's still doing it today. But they were people that were connected to the Spirit of God. They were people that had the heart of the Father. They were people that recognized, I am working on behalf of another. I am working in representation of another kingdom, of another nation, of another homeland. Not just a bystander. I'm not here to just inform God of everything that's going wrong down here on earth. He knows all that, trust me. He knows. You're not the informant. (laughs) you're not father I'm here reporting for duty let me tell you everything that went wrong today my dog threw up on the carpet whatever else you can come up with to call it a prayer session no prayer with God 
is discovering his will, discovering his heart, and then being moved to action. Amen. And then what you desire, he will do. When your desires align with heaven's desires. When your desires align with heaven's desires. Here's the connection that we see in John chapter 15. It's four things. Four things of progress that we see here. Number one is abide. We got to abide first. Remain in. It's the first command. First instruction he gives. Abide in me. Remain in me. Number two is become aware. Become aware. As a result of my abiding, I become aware of what God wants to do. I become aware of what he, what his intentions are. I become aware of his purpose. I become aware of his design. And what you abide in determines what you become aware of. What you abide in determines what you become aware of. And we started this thing out by saying that we've become aware of the wrong things. We've become aware of the wrong things. Why? Because we were abiding in the wrong things. You abide in insecurity and you're going to become of you're going to become aware of your deficiencies. You're going to become aware of I don't have enough. You're going to become aware of the lack in your life. But when you abide in him, all of a sudden you become aware of what you can do, what you're able to, what what you can do empowered by his spirit. It's amazing. You take two people of the same character, same ability, same competency. But one become aware of what the Spirit can do and one only become aware of of their deficiencies and you're going to have one that can't do it and one that will do it. Why? Because they were aware of something different. Abide, become aware. From there, it changes our desires. Number three is desire. We abide in. We become aware of. Now we begin to desire the same things the Father desires. Now we begin to want. We become drawn to the same thing that the Father is drawn to. And then lastly, we produce. We produce. What you desire determines your production, determines what you produce. And when you start desiring what the Father desires, you'll start producing what the Father wants to produce. This is Matthew chapter 6, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You abide, you become aware, you desire, and you produce. You abide, you become aware, you desire, and you produce. Go with me to John chapter 3. want to use this conversation to help us see what this looks like, what this abiding looks like. We know, we know that Jesus came to reveal to us, to show us what this renewed life looks like, what an aware life. Jesus did not give in to the distractions of life whether good or bad. Jesus could never be faulted for chasing uh, something in life that would draw him away from the Father. He remained in tune with the Father, not just through staying up all night praying, not just through uh, making sure that he heard and understood the word of God, not just through being baptized in water or having the Holy Spirit come upon him. He lived a life that was in sync with heaven. And not at one time. The closest that we see Jesus come is in the Garden of Gethsemane when he makes this statement. If there's any way for this cup to pass, you know how many times we take the other cups that are offered to us? You know how many times we see another way, a simpler way, Oh, man, we live in a world today, we want that path of least resistance. We want the easy way. And this is what I know. What you're not willing to pay 
in just answering the call of God, it will cost you later on much more than what it would cost you today to answer the call. It's a sobering thought. You might be able to shortcut it today. You might be able to find another path. You may be able to find another way. You may find a way where I don't have to confront that issue or talk to that person or go down that path. You may be able to find that and still arrive at what you think is success. But you're going to find that what it's going to cost you in the end just wasn't worthwhile. Go ahead and bite the bullet. Go ahead and face it. Go ahead and, 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 and own up to, this is what I'm going to have to do. That's what commands God's blessing. That's what commands God's honor. That's what commands the hand of God upon your life. It says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Those steps are ordered when we come in right alignment with his plan and with with his purpose. Sometimes we think that God gives us the end goal and then he leaves it up to us to figure out how we get there. No, there's steps along the way. He doesn't show you the whole path, but you got to follow the steps to get there. And so Jesus showed us this, a life that was so in tune, a life that was so synced up, a life as we're talking about living aware. He lived aware of heaven what heaven wanted, how heaven would respond, and they were never out of sync. Even in that garden when he was so tempted, so tempted that he was sweating drops of blood because he knew what was in front of him. Even then, he still ended with the statement, not my will, your will be done. Isn't that what he said? So look at this conversation in John chapter 3. Hope we can see some stuff here. It'll help tie all this together. I'm reading out of the New Living. In verse 1, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee, who after dark one evening, so he's coming at night. This isn't in the daytime. This isn't during the day. This isn't when everybody can see. After dark, under the cover of night, Under the cover of darkness, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, watch this. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is, here it is, with you, abiding. Did you know we just said it? that what you abide in will eventually become evident to all. It'll be revealed. It's identifiable. What consumes your time? What consumes your energy? What consumes your efforts? What you abide in, it'll be identifiable. And he says, we all know that God is with you. Your miraculous signs. Now, what are the miraculous signs? Miraculous signs are the fruit. It's the external evidence. We see it on the outside. Your miraculous signs show us God is with you. It's what we just said, that your connection determines your production, and your production reveals your connection. He's saying because we see these signs happening, we can't deny that God is with you. And he goes, he starts off by talking about how Jesus is a great teacher. You know, we don't, in the five-fold ministry gifts, we don't typically assign the teaching gift as a miraculous gift. When you think of miracles, signs, and wonders, you typically would think probably first of the evangelist and maybe secondly of the apostle, just in the five-fold ministry. But we need to understand that teaching is what makes the way for the miraculous. Teaching is what paves the way. If you go back and read in Luke, uh, after Jesus ascended and sent the disciples out, it says that the miracle signs and wonders followed the teaching of the word and confirmed the teaching of the word. So the, the fruit is confirmation. The fruit is proof. The fruit is produced from 
something that maybe you can't see. Maybe that isn't that visible. Maybe something that is not as easily noticeable. And that's what we're talking about. How can we become aware of the things that aren't easily seen, but are right in front of us? How can we live aware? He says, God is with you. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Verse three, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. I always think it's funny that the one who was the way, the truth in the life had to preface any statement with, I'm not lying to you. I tell you the truth. Here it is, watch this. Unless you are born again. Everyone say born again. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's dominion. It's God's rule. It's God's reign. The kingdom of God, just by quality, is invisible. It's an invisible kingdom. You're not going to find it on a map. You're not going to find it on a globe. You can't ask Siri, where's, give me directions to the kingdom of God. You're you're not going to find a a natural location that way. It's an invisible kingdom. It's an invisible kingdom that is revealed in visible ways. It's an invisible kingdom revealed in visible ways. But at its core, it's invisible. At its core, it's unseen. At its core, it's in a realm that is beyond what we can naturally see. But yet Jesus says, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, remember, Nicodemus says, we know you're a great teacher, and we know that these miraculous signs reveal that God is with you, that you are connected to the Father. We know what you're connected to because we see these signs. And Jesus' response is, unless you're born again, you cannot see. And this had me wondering. I wonder if when Jesus said the words born again, he meant something different than what you and I mean when we say born again. Typically, when we say someone is born again, what are we talking about? Y'all are afraid to answer. I love asking questions, and I love seeing your faces. Oh, do I want, I mean, I think I should know this. I ought to know this. He's going to think I don't know this, but I want to say the wrong thing. When we talk about being born again, we talk about what? Salvation. Salvation, being made new, being made alive in Christ. But I wonder if when Jesus used these words in this context, in fact, I don't wonder. I know for sure. He's not just talking about praying a prayer so that when you die one day, you go to heaven. For most Christians, not in this room, but for most Christians, born again has more to do with what you come out of than what you get into. And I think when Jesus was talking about being born again, look what he says. Read it again. Unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And yet he's talking to a man that has seen blind eyes open. He's talking to a man that can see deaf ears open. He's talking to a man that can see bread multiplied. One little boy's lunch feeding 15,000 plus people. He can see demons being cast out. He can see breath returning into lungs that had stopped. A heart beating once again that had stopped. He's talking about the miraculous. We see the miracles. The the Amplified reads uh, that verse uh, in verse 2 who came to Jesus that night and said to him, Rabbi, we know and are certain that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs, these wonder works, these miracles, and produce the proofs that you do unless God is with him. So he can see these things in demonstration, yet Jesus says this, unless one is born again, you cannot see. You cannot See, see, there is a seeing in the kingdom of God that is beyond just seeing natural things on a natural level. And Jesus is trying to help this man understand that there is greater revelation and there is more to this than you even know is happening. But unless one is born again, you will have to stand by and applaud the miracles. Wow, look at that guy and rejoice and jump up and down, but you will not become a participator until one is born again that you can actually see not just the fruit, but where the fruit comes from. Now we're talking about a different depth. Now we're talking about a different level, a different capacity. Unless one is born again, This is what Jesus is saying. It should be common for born-again believers to see the invisible realm of heaven. And I believe it's time for the church to see heaven again, to see God's purposes again, to see God's plans again. I believe this ought to be a common practice to become aware of what God is aware of. Jesus living as one who's aware knows the heart of the Father, knows what his desires, knows what his plans are, knows what his will is. And even in that garden, he's asking if there's any way, if there's another cup out there you got. But ultimately he knows I'm so synced up and I'm so in tune and I'm so... uh, uh, connected to the Father, that I can only produce what the Father wants to see produced. And I cannot have another action. I cannot have another thought. I cannot have another will or another desire. It should be common. It should be common for the born-again believer to see the unseen. We should expect to see the unseen. I think it's a danger when you come into the kingdom that you have a greater revelation of what you have been redeemed from instead of what you have been redeemed for. I know you know all about the lifestyle you left behind. I know you're well-versed in what you did in the world. I know that God redeemed you from cussing and drinking and sleeping and watching and doing and saying and talking and going and living. you, You know all that like the back of your hand. You could teach us how to do it. But have you spent time learning the ways of heaven, the way you learned the ways of the world? Have you spent time getting as familiar with the kingdom of God as you were with the kingdom of darkness? Can you see the kingdom 
of God. I believe this. I believe born again was an invitation to live the way God designed you to live. That heaven becomes more natural than the natural. That the supernatural becomes the automatic response. That you lay hands on the sick without even thinking, without even wondering, without even hoping that, I hope this works, so let's give it a try. No, I'm talking about living with such a connection to heaven that I can't help but heaven come through everything I do. That's born again that you can see the kingdom of God. But we know all too well our dark past. We all we know all too well our imperfect history. We know all too well how the enemy controlled us and how the enemy ruled us and how the enemy uh, uh, manipulated us and how the enemy twisted us and how the enemy. But do you know? Do you know what God wants for your life now as well as you knew what the devil wanted for your life then? We're aware of the wrong things. When he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. He's talking about our awareness. He's letting Nicodemus know, you're going to have to become aware of these things. And the only way you become aware of these things is if you abide in these things. And if you'll become aware of it, you'll desire it. And if you'll desire it, you'll produce it. Because when you desire what I want, I put my hand, I command my blessing when your desires align with heaven. When your want to aligns with heaven. When your will aligns with heaven. When your purpose aligns. When you want what I want for the same reason I want it. I can't help but show up in your life. I can't help but bring heaven to earth. I can't help to allow the kingdom to now take over and rule in that place and in that situation. When Jesus commanded demons to go out of a man, you watched as one rule bowed to another rule. As one authority bowed to an, you saw it take place right in front of you. It was the invisible kingdom taking over in a man's life. And now watching the visible response and the visible production of that kingdom now being manifest right before someone's eyes. And yet people still missed it. This man belongs to the group that murdered Jesus and put him on the cross and took his life. Because unless one is born again, he cannot see All you can do is see the results. All you can do is label the fruit. Oh, that's an orange tree. That's an apple tree. That's a pear tree. But you cannot participate and get in line and know where does it come from? How does this operate? Why does it work that way? Why are you doing that? And why are you doing this? Unless one is born again. And so in a way, we've dumbed down We've redefined what born again really means. Now, I'm not not trying to get you all to question your salvation today. It's not what this is. I'm trying to increase your capacity to understand what have I really come into. And I'm inviting you. This is an open invitation to increase my understanding of what it means to be in the kingdom of God to live aware of the kingdom, more aware of the kingdom than I am of the kingdom of darkness. I ought to be more aware of the healing power of God than I am the cancer on my body. I ought to be more aware of his provisions for me in heaven than the lack that I'm facing here on earth. I ought to be more aware of his approval in heaven than the validation of man. I ought to be more aware, more aware, That's what Jesus is inviting us into. Being born again is not just simply being aware of how broken and destitute I am here and hopefully one day when I go to heaven, I'll be with him or it's all gonna be better one day. Being aware, being born again means becoming aware that heaven is with me now. Heaven's in me now. 
It's in my words. It's in my hands. It's in my thoughts. It's in my plans. It's in my purposes. It's in my my intentions in life. This is a whole different, this is a whole new ball. For some of y'all, I just completely changed what the Christian life is even really all about. We've been sold a bill of goods by the enemy himself to get us to live the lowest level of Christianity possible. And I'm inviting you to rise up to what Jesus is truly welcoming you into. A life of power, a life of sustenance, a life of overcoming, a life of ruling and reigning, a life of being above and not beneath, being the head and not the tail, a life of living the kingdom life through you, where he demonstrates his plans and his purposes and his pursuits through everything you do. You literally become an embodiment of heaven. Verse four says, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And see, this is what happens, guys. When we don't abide, even the simplest. See, see, Jesus was trying to make this simple. This is the only time, by the way, in the four Gospels, you'll find Jesus even talking about born again. And that invitation to be born again comes to a man that even though it was at night, even though it was under the cover of darkness, even though he was trying to do it in secrecy and didn't want everybody to know, at least he came pursuing Jesus and say, I got to know. And to that person, why didn't he, I mean, if, if, if we, we, we say this all the time, our purpose is to get people born again. Our purpose is, if that was the case, why didn't he talk about being born again on the side of a mountain with 20,000 people sitting there listening to every word? I'm not saying we're not supposed to be getting people born again. I'm not saying that salvation isn't the goal. I'm saying it's an invitation into much more that we have dumbed it down to be. We've redefined it. And Nicodemus doesn't get it. How can this be? What do you mean? And when we don't abide, we must resort to only seeing things on the surface. When we don't abide with the Father, we'll resort to being people that can say, that's an apple tree, that's an orange tree, but never knowing how it works, never knowing how it produces, never knowing what's my part to play. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now watch this in verse 8. The wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. The kingdom of God to an unbeliever or to a person that is born again, but doesn't know what they were born again into, doesn't know what really happened when they became born again. See, if you make statements like, I'm a sinner saved by grace, you don't got it. You don't know. And you may have prayed the prayer of salvation, but you don't know what you got it. You got yourself into. You don't understand what Jesus did. You don't understand. The wind's blowing and you see what it's doing, but you don't know where it's coming from. And this is where the enemy wants people to live. He's okay with you going through the actions with if you never discover what really took place. If you never really discover what happened. Because a sinner saved by grace in the kingdom of God doesn't even make sense. 
It's not even possible. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the old is gone and the new has come. It's real quiet in this Baptocostal Presbyterian church right now. Real quiet. Why? Because we've said these things. I still allow thoughts of inferiority even though I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been made royalty raised and seated with heaven in seated with him in heavenly places. Still living like the scum of the earth. I'm more aware of what darkness did than what light did. I'm more aware of what the devil did than what Jesus did. Come on. Oh, and one day when I receive my my resurrected body in glory, one day when I'm walking on streets of gold in my mansion dwelling with Jesus, and you don't even know you're being robbed of your purpose and your identity and fulfilling everything that you have answers, that you have questions to, he's got answers for today. It's awareness. We're left to just, oh, look at the wind's doing over. Oh, look what the wind's doing. The wind's moving that thing. But you don't know where it comes from. You don't know how it's working. You don't know how it's operating. And Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you to a life that's much better than just identifying the external. I'm inviting you to become a part of the process. Hmm. Connect it with John 15. You don't have to turn there, just connect it. Just remember what we talked about, abide in me, I in you. For without me, you can do nothing. It seems to me that we need to become aware of what we're connected to. Not just what I got set free from, what I've been set free for. Say that with me. Say, I have been set free from something but I have been set free for something. We need to get a picture, an image. We need to see what God sees. There's more in front of you than what you left behind you. Get a picture, get an image this year. 2023, this is your year. You're done looking behind. You're done reminding yourself, well, at least I'm not doing that. Or, oh, thank God I got redeemed from that. Yes, thank God. But look what he's doing for you. Look what you're doing for the kingdom of God. Look ahead. Verse 9, he says, how are these things possible? I love Jesus' response in John 3, verse 10. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? Remember, this all started out by Nicodemus saying, We all know you're a great teacher. And now Jesus uses that and flips it on Nicodemus and says, you're a great teacher? And yet you don't understand? Meaning I'm trying to take you deeper. I'm inviting you into another level of life you you, you, you haven't even begun to comprehend. That's in verse 10. You know what happens in six verses? That would be John 3. 10 plus 6 would make 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. I mean, the most simplest of verses is missed. He put the verse, the one verse that he knew the entire world could recite, whether they were Christians or not. Six verses after he talks to him about, yeah, you see it, but you don't know where it comes from. Six verses later, in this same conversation, he's still talking to Nicodemus when he gives John 3, verse 16. is in the middle of a conversation where he lets Nicodemus know, man, you don't even have a clue what you're about to get into. The most popular verse in the Bible, in the world, 
is right. The, 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 the most, this is God. This is God. He puts the simplest stuff right in the middle of the complex. Because he's trying to help you under, if we, I mean, it's almost like, man, if just half of us would have read the context of John 3.16, we could know what Jesus is trying to say. Worship team, if you'd come. He goes on to say in verse 11, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But, you, but if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how could you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? What's he saying? I'm trying to reveal. I'm trying to show you. I'm, I'm inviting you to awareness. I'm inviting you to abide and live in what this is all about. I'm inviting you to discover what I already know about you, about your purpose, about this kingdom. I'm not trying to withhold. I'm not trying to keep it to myself. I'm not trying to hope that you can follow the scavenger hunt in the maze and pick up the stuff along the way. I'm not dangling the care. I'm trying to let you know. I'm, I've started at the easiest place possible. You got to be born again. I've started at the easiest place possible. If you can see the wind moving, then you can know how the Holy Spirit is operating. Don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things. How can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Now watch this in verse 13. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. Gone to heaven, which means they started where? If you've gone to heaven, you started here. Come on, this is the crux of it right here. Lock in. No one's ever gone from here to there and then come back here. But there is one that started there and came down here. He says, no one's ever gone to heaven and returned because if you went to heaven and came back, believe me, you'd be doing everything you could to help other people know what heaven knows. But there is a man. There is a person. There is someone that was there that knows what heaven knows and has seen what heaven sees and can do what heaven can do and can respond how heaven can respond and can live the way heaven would want you to live. And he's standing right in front of you. You're talking to him at two o'clock in the morning. Just a one-on-one conversation. I can tell you what heaven is like. I can show you what heaven is like. I can help you become aware of what heaven is already aware of. If you'll listen to me, respond to me, be born of me. Abide in me and my words abide in you. You hear what he's saying? Oh my gosh, this is like got me wanting to jump off the stage right now. He came down. I said, heaven came down. Heaven came down to show you. You don't have to put up with sickness and disease. Heaven came down to show you. You don't have to live with anxiety and confusion. Heaven came down. You don't have to put up with demonic impulses. Heaven came down. Heaven came down. I said, heaven came down. The Son of Man has come down from heaven. You don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to live with a cloudy judgment. Oh, I want to make things so clear, he's saying. I want you to know that the Word, the Word is His will. It became flesh and dwelt among us. Heaven came down. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Heaven came down. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.